This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Final seconds, first quarter. Murray, Hawkins defends. Doubled by Martin. Puts up a prayer. Oh! oh! <laughs> That's a three that you can take to the bank. Sometimes you just got to shake your head because this is great heat defense right here. Desperation heave here <laughs> by Jamal Murray. Hawkins on Porter. Switch without a bio. Porter got it again. <laughs> he is a machine. We heard the call there last night from the TNT crew as we predicted here. The Miami Heat would the not. The inimitable yes. Kevin Harlan. Oh, yeah, no one like Kevin Harlan. The Miami Heat did not go quietly. They, they are scrappy. They as are tenacious. As is their want. Well the coached, late as Howard said. Cosell would say, as is their want. And W-O-N-T. Right, Sick. exactly. And that, that is the one thing you have to hand to the Miami Heat. We talked about it during the finals last year, even though the Nuggets won the series and the championship four games to one. They never really go away. They fight, and they are tough to blow out for that very reason. Even a shorthanded team without Arrow last night, uh, they, they weren't great, but they were scrappy. They were unrelenting in their commitment. Uh, they didn't play by their standards an especially great game but across the board uh, their assist to turnover ratio was better than Denver's uh, their free throw shooting wasn't as good as Denver's but it was well over 80 percent uh, the nugget shot 42.9 percent Miami shot 42.2 percent not much difference there the game was won from the three-point line as you heard described on the yeah. Murray shot even before Murray had to leave the game. The Nuggets were 12 for 34, and the Heat, 7 for 26. The Nuggets were plus 15 in threes. And as coaches will often tell you, 15 to 30 points that you gain or lose from the three-point line often the deciding factor. is often the most deciding of factors in winning or losing the game. Nuggets also, by the way, 19 for 21 from the free throw line. 90.5%. Which was pointed out on the telecast last year. Aaron Gordon, uh, six uh, last six. night. Yeah. Uh, uncharacteristic. All of the starters. Uncharacteristic Gordon, of six the Nuggets. Six. Jokic, six for six. Caldwell Pope, four for four. Porter Jr., two for two. They did not miss. And in a game in which you won by six, that may be, a, that's another one of those deciding factors. Jamal Murray, uh, in the first half, lands awkwardly on Aaron Gordon's foot. Rolls his ankle, uh, leaves the game. Reportedly tried to come back at halftime. They decided to shut him down. We'll have more on that in a minute, but it doesn't seem as if Murray's injury is particularly severe, continuing with the idea that we've talked about all week. That not the, the Nuggets the are going to be very, very, very cautious with Jamal Murray. But when Murray went out, he was already having a pretty good game, but Michael Porter Jr. stepped up. Porter Jr. with 30 points last night to lead all scores, to go along with his 11 rebounds, which tied Jokic for the most of any player as well. Four for 10 from three, but a an offensive performance that wasn't seeing him just spot up and shoot. Cuts to the basket, uh, a teardrop, uh, passes that were the rather effective that maybe didn't even lead to assists. 
Nikola Jokic had a chance to talk about Porter Jr. after the game. Here's what he said. Yeah, I mean, um, he had a collectively collective good game. He had a couple of rebounds, a couple of big re- rebounds. Um, he was he was just a, he was just a, a great great leader, and he was the only one who actually made a couple of shots. They, uh, him and KCP were the only one who basically made threes. Um, and when you, I mean, whenever whenever he take a shot, I think it's going in. So whenever he's uh, shooting, uh, I'm happy with it. Jokic calling a, a, and uh, a good leader last night. One of he the was terms last that night. Jokic used. And, and because the coaches are always mic'd up on these national TV games, you heard Malone uh, compliment Porter uh, at one point late in the game when he gave him a breather by saying, uh, great job carrying us. And that's what he did offensively. And he also contributed defensively. I mean, the Nuggets held Miami under 100 points. Mm-hmm. And the, that wasn't easy to do and in fact uh, Eric Spolster the heat coach said after the game that was the difference in the game the Nuggets defense is that much better than Miami's and that was the difference yeah the the performance there again is the Nuggets often do not maybe get credit for their defense but their team defense is really really good and it continues to get better especially and that's what can make them great that's what can make them yes that's that you know what that's the best way to put it Sandy that might be what makes them great, a great team. In an era where offenses are exploding left and right, the Nuggets on a any given night, score. and the Nuggets are one of them, score. very, very efficiently. Yeah. But not very many play good team defense, and not very many play it well in the clutch. And the Nuggets have been doing that. They had eight blocks last night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, Jokic didn't score a lot, but he had two blocks, uh, had a steal, uh, Porter had a steal and two uh, two steals in fact and two mm-hmm. blocks uh, gordon had three steals and a block uh kcp had a steal and a block uh brown had a steal and a block coming off the bench and i thought it was uh, the box score numbers aren't blowing you away but i thought it was one of brown's better games i thought brown he was good loves too. playing against miami i thought he brown matches up against a lot the, of the people on line. miami side I, I don't care what the stat line was. The eye test, I watched that game, and I thought Christian Brown was well, very, shoot. very good. <laughs> I mean, he didn't shoot very much. Right. So two points, two rebounds, one assist, but one steal, one block, and he was a plus player over 20 minutes. Uh, Jackson was not a plus player uh, last night. Watson was, uh, although uh, Watson made mistakes. I didn't think Watson night, actually Watson played particularly good. well No, I didn't think night. Watson was very good. Uh, Holiday gave him a nice eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Najee had a block uh, in just... Uh, six minutes of uh, action. Uh, I, I I suspect that Murray will sit out the next game and they may activate Gillespie uh, for that one. But it was a nice job, uh, I thought, done by Malone of uh, playing around Murray's absence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reggie Jackson played a few more minutes <laughs> last night than he usually does, 29 minutes. But, you know, you... It, it, the, the Nuggets have what, and obviously we highlight Porter, but you notice who else Jokic mentioned? Caldwell Pope, Pope, who had and 18 he points made last up night. In I many ways, terrific. for the absence of Murray. I thought because Caldwell he Pope assumed was scoring responsibility. I thought he was great. And, and, and the three pointers he made were key shots, uh, very much in the flow of the game. And the Nuggets able to shoot more than 35% from three point land. And as we said, that. 
uh, won them the game. The Nuggets are the most resourceful team in the NBA, in my opinion. Resourceful is not necessarily best, but if you're the most resourceful team in the NBA, you're always a tough out in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And, and Caldwell Pope, again, you, the, the numbers maybe don't leap out at you. The 18 points is good, but I, I, I think Nuggets fans are starting to come around to the understanding in his second season with the team, because I get it. Uh, Aaron Gordon has a lot of flash to his game. Porter Jr. was a first-round pick. Jokic and Murray speak for themselves. And, and Caldwell Pope is basically, to, I think a lot of people, he, he seems to maybe, he's just kind of there. And when you look at the Nuggets starting five and how they perform the plus minuses, you know, you've had it the way they have in clutch defense and team defense. Oh, he's plus 10 last night. The, the value that Caldwell Pope adds to this team runs far deeper than necessarily what you'll see in the box scores because this is a guy that, the idea that you sometimes get the term glue guy, but Caldwell Pope is oftentimes the unsung guy that makes the rest of it work. His defense allows guys like Jamal Murray to go a little bit more on the offensive side and focus on that. Sometimes even Porter Jr., same thing. Uh, his ability to score when left alone. Look, look at the look at his three-pointers in the last three games. Sandy, he has 10 three-pointers in 18 attempts. He's 10 for 18 from three. That's phenomenal. So he, he's a clutch shooter but he doesn't take a lot of shots. He plays really good defense. He's a more effective passer than he gets credit for. Again, in the last uh, three games, we'll even go to the last four games, he has 13 assists and three turnovers. So uh, he, he does everything well. And what he does well allows the, the Nuggets' bigger stars to shine brighter. He's not a small piece of this Who Nuggets puzzle. Who would you rather have on your team? Tavis Caldwell Pope or D'Angelo Russell? Oh, my gosh. Not even close. I'll take KCP over both of those right. guys. Because one guy, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even consider. one guy fills up a stat sheet, especially with points and volume shots. Right. <laughs> he shoots a lot. KCP fills up the box score in less noticeable ways and he defends. Russell really doesn't consider defense part of his responsibility. As a player, I'd much rather have KCP. I'd much rather have 12 KCPs, much rather yeah. have 12 KCPs than 12 D'Angelo Russell. A, a lot of players, and he's obviously been a big part of the equation. I mean, you talk about uh, the, the loss of Murray, and, and you said uh, you suggested, Sandy, that maybe he shouldn't play tomorrow. I do, I do not think he will. From what I've heard today, uh, investigating that a little bit. Yeah. I think Murray is truly a game time decision, yeah. but I think it's a game time decision in which the, the nuggets are, would be. But doesn't the accumulation not, of injuries yeah. make him game uh, time at decision, least, but at least if he's a hundred percent and he it, won't be a hundred percent tomorrow, it, at least for one game, make him ineligible because you've got the shin splints, you got the hamstring injury. You've got now a, a, a twisted ankle and, you know, I, I don't think it's high ankle sprain. He, he, walked, he walked off on it. Yeah. Uh, he I mean, was he's even not considered coming back after halftime. Right. Uh, it's 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 not awful, but there's but no Malone, reason to risk but, it. You know, Malone's talked about this. They will not take anything remotely resembling a risk with his health. His health is, not is critical. during the regular season, no. for sure. And who cares? National well, TV game it. against the Lakers, no, whatever. do it. And I think they beat the Lakers without him. He always plays well. At Crypto.com Arena, 
formerly Staples Center. But if he doesn't play, I I still think they win in much the same way they won last night. The, the one, and believe me, this is not a criticism because I think he's improved on the defensive end of the floor. But the Nuggets can make up for his scoring. Yes. They certainly have defensive options and lineups they can use mm-hmm. that are as effective defensively as lineups that Murray is in. Yes. I don't think Jackson is the defender Murray is, but Christian Brown most certainly uh, is a better well, defender at this point. That's where I think Brown defends and he had best. a lot of run. And I know Brown got yanked during the conference finals last year late in the series, but the two teams that I think of against whom he matches up very well are one, the Miami Heat, and yeah, two, the Lakers. The Lakers. And this time, I don't think he leaves uh, Austin Reeves sitting out there this Saturday. Remember, by yeah, the way, no, we'll even have if a, he does, uh, Austin Reeves might miss. I mean, yeah. Austin Reeves is a good player, but uh, I don't think he's been as good this year as he was last year, at least late last year. Uh, he hasn't been as good. Russell has had his moments. Uh, he's extremely erratic, but when he's on, he's he's on. And listen, it's one of those games – it's nice if you win, but it's not devastating really if you don't. It's a road game against a team that needs home wins far more than you need road victories uh, at this point. The Nuggets, in terms of road win, home loss differential, are right behind the Celtics and the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are plus 16 and plus 14, respectively. The Nuggets are plus 12. Oklahoma City figured to get to plus 12 last night. I was with you, and assuming right. they'd beat San Antonio, Wrong. they were whipped right throughout from the opening tip to the final buzzer. They got their rear ends kicked in by Wembenyama and the San Antonio Spurs, who may be out of the feudal five Mm -hmm. right now, the best of those five teams. They, because they have Wembenyama and those other teams. And and you see some of the other players for, for San Antonio, you see the plan. And the plan's going to work. It just takes time. It'll for, take time, Spurs. but they've got the right coach. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think Popovich likes coaching a young team. I do, too. He's coached championship teams. He's coached veteran teams. This is a nice challenge for him late in his coaching career. And, listen, I completely disagree with Barkley on the idea that Chet Holmgren is not really a rookie. He didn't play a game last year. Of course he's a rookie. But if I had to choose, and I think Holmgren's been great, but when Benyama outplayed oh, him yeah. badly last night, if that game was any kind of referendum on the rookie of the year race, Victor Wembenyama going away on the basis of the performance last night. Now, I know there's still a quarter of the season left to go, and, uh, you know, who knows? Oklahoma City might wind up number one in the West. They might. For all we know, I don't think it'll happen. It might. If it does, it'll strengthen Holmgren's argument because he'll be a big part of that. But if they don't, if they finish second, third, or even fourth, I, 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 even if the Spurs finish with the worst record, and by the way, I don't think they necessarily will. I think Portland's worse than San Antonio right now. San Antonio's been on the road, it seems like, for two months. Well, they're, they're, And Wembenyama, after the game last night, said it's great to be back here. I almost forgot well, what remember, it Remember, San Antonio like. every year has what they call the rodeo trip because yeah. the, uh, the, the rodeo That's goes right. through Texas, and it's, right. it is about two and a half weeks. Yeah that the stadium's unavailable. Michael and, and, Malone had an opportunity to talk right. uh, about Jamal Murray yep. and a and little bit about the injury, but more specifically about the toughness and about his ability to return sooner rather. 
Well, usually, yes, yes, it is, like, because Jamal is, and I've said this many times to you guys, is that he's one of the toughest guys I've ever been around. Mentally, physically, he can play through things that a lot of guys wouldn't even consider playing through. And so when Jamal realizes, hey, man, you know, we got 23 games to go, this is not feeling great right now. Um, I think it's, you know, it's great for him to realize being cautious right now is probably the, the really prudent decision. And, um, and that shows also maturity. You know, he's growing up and he realized that we, and I've said this about, hey, you guys should be the number one seed. Yeah, that'd be great. I want to be healthy. Because I know if we're healthy, then we can beat anybody anywhere. And so that's all I care about is trying to be as healthy as possible down the stretch and into the playoffs. The Nuggets are only one and a half games out of first in the Western Conference, only a half game behind Oklahoma City Thunder for second, two and a half games ahead of the Clippers for fourth. I, I'm with you. I know Murray would probably want to play in this game. It's you know, Saturday night's national broadcast. It's I, I get it. It's the Lakers. Protect him from himself. Exactly. That's it. because he would want to play in this game that much. That's all the more reason where up on the Nuggets, doctors. I'm like, no, no. That's why I have doctors. You Shut can you can sit this one game. out for at least this game. But I, I do agree with you. Look, the Lakers at home are, are 21 and 9. They're good. They're not great. LeBron James for 10 to 12 minutes a game is as good as he's ever been. Well, I, I heard Brian Windhorst on part of the interruption yesterday on ESPN talking about that. And Brian Windhorst went to high school with LeBron James. Yeah. He's followed him his whole life, uh, pretty much after the age of 15. Uh, they're both obviously in their late 30s. He said uh, that was common in high school for LeBron, and he says even nearing 40 years of age, LeBron is still capable of doing that in spurts mm-hmm. from time to time. Uh, it's It We've doesn't it. happen as much as it used to happen, but he has all the tools psychologically and physically that would allow a player to perform at that level, and it's – Really, he's a physical marvel at the age of 39. He really is. But he doesn't do that and can't do it all the time. And the Lakers sort of need him to do it most all the time, even with Anthony Davis having a reasonably healthy and successful season. LeBron is still the Lakers' MVP going away. LeBron will never say that. He says Davis is the MVP. But but, we all know what's True and watch. The Nuggets already have, and we'll talk more about this later, but the Nuggets already have the season series tiebreaker on the Lakers. Not that the Lakers are going to get close to tiebreaking, but the Nuggets won the first game of the year back in in, in October by 12. They won the next game last month by 8. I'm not even considering playing Jamal Murray in this game, but as you pointed out, the thing that could make them great, Sandy, the team defense Mm -hmm. and the way they have played, that might be enough to still win this game against the Lakers after the game, Michael Malone spoke about the way they're playing defense as a unit. Yeah, I think we're one of maybe like three teams in the league that are top ten in offense and defense and uh, on the season. And then now we're five games in a row post-All-Star break. Uh, I think our defense is probably around top five right now in a short period of time. Um, but when you win and you have a winning streak, it's always going to coincide with playing good defense, for us at least, uh, because that's where it starts. And uh, that's why we were able to win last year. I felt their defense in the playoffs stepped up. So, um, you know, we have, you know, a, a tough game in L.A. coming up. And then we have a couple of really tough teams coming into Ball Arena to start off the month of March. So that defense has to continue these final 23 games. We know the Nuggets can win 120 to 115. 
I liked the game last night. Was it aesthetically pleasing? No, felt there like were 29 turnovers. It felt more like a playoff mm-hmm. game with a lot on the line. And I think for Miami, maybe there was. I don't think there was any real harm in losing it, but I think they really wanted it. And they and like they it. played that way, and they wouldn't go away. They easy, And uh, almost any other team, I would say four-fifths of the other teams in the league would have just accepted the blowout loss, as Sacramento did, for example, yeah. the other 16 night. 16-point lead after one Miami quarter. won't do that. Nope, now, I'm don't. not saying Miami's one of the best six, seven teams in the league, and I don't think that's true, but... Boy, what I do think hard is to kill. true is their compete level is top five. It might be the best compete level because they don't have the most talent. They really don't. Adebayo had a good game last night. Butler had a good game last night. Rozier, even unable to hit a three, had a good game last night. But they all competed. Rozier's playing with He's coming off a serious knee injury. And as Reggie Miller so astutely pointed out, he cannot get off the ground. He's not really shooting jump shots with any lift. Therefore, he can't shoot threes. They didn't have their best game last night, but they they were keep sticking at it. The Heat obviously yeah. aren't oh. easy to get rid of. The Nuggets get it done despite the fact Jamal Murray gets hurt in the first half. We'll talk more about that later. But you know who is playing well? The Colorado Avalanche, who, of course, did what they're supposed to do. And then some on the road against a bad Chicago Blackhawks team. Plus, the Avs make a trade. We'll tell you more about it next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Yeah, he's been playing awesome, I thought. Tampa, Detroit, and now this game. Three great starts. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's been looking great and um, pumped for him. Yeah, that's pretty special to get your first shutout. I'm sure his first shutout, that's going to be something that he doesn't forget. I love the way our team played in front of him. Real good conscience, work ethic, checking details. Um, but, yeah, he, he looked great again. Just looked confident, big in the net, and uh, really happy to see him have the, get that result tonight. Nathan McKinnon and Jared Bednar talking about Eustace Anana. I mean, he is big in that. 6'4", 210. He's a big fella there. His fifth game of the year. Save percentage now up to 913. That'll work. First shutout of uh, his career. And the first ever shutout for this franchise on February 29th. Never happened I guess before. that makes sense. You only get right. a crack every four years, and that's, that's right. if you play at all. But there, that might hold up for a while. And it, here's one that makes sense, I think, to people who are following the Avalanche closely. It is the first time, the game last night, since November 18th, that Colton and Johansson had points in the same game. And that says more about Johansson's year than it says about Colton's year. I think Colton's been okay. Johansson, a major disappointment, but he did have one assist last night, and Colton, of course, had the goal. The the Avs on the whole playing quite a bit better. You know, I've, I've been pointing out this week the defensive breakdowns for Devon Taves and Kale McCarr as a pair, uh, obviously, last night. And I get it. Look, the Blackhawks are 15, 40, and 5. For a reason. They're bad. At the same time, that pairing last night, 
Taves had a goal. McCarr had two assists. Each of them was plus two on the night. Yeah, very good. And and they were often paired against that top line of Bedard. Sure. And they and absolutely stonewalled yeah. him to the point Bedard was smacking the, the dasher yeah. boards oh, yeah. he and, and uh, being you know, he was himself. clearly upset uh, so far into his own head there that you know couldn't do very much back. Bedard, one of the few players, uh, only Bedard and, and Kurashev minus three on the night right. for the Blackhawks. You know, just a terrible and, game for uh, And that's I due believe, to the Avs, not Bedard. Bedard I, more or less would have had chances. The Avs did a great job yeah, defensively. But I, I want to point out that on the power play goal, he was the one who was penalized. So he mm-hmm. was really minus four. Yeah, that's a good point because it was his penalty. You're exactly right. So a little more, you're seeing a little more secondary scoring. Colton, as you pointed out, with the goal, a Johansson with an assist, Jonathan Duran with an assist as Played well. well. Very well. Zach Parise, two goals and an assist. Yeah, he looked 10 years younger last year. Parise's played in only 12 games for the Abs, and he's been a third liner. He has six points, three yeah, goals and three he's assists. Been fine. He, he's pretty I think fine. I think he's been better than fine. Listen, I think he's been pretty darn good. Uh, yeah, uh, I, 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 I don't want to get carried away. Uh, on the basis of the one game of the three points, that, that counts for half the point production. Right. Against and, and just the team. one game against a terrible team. But I will say this. Uh, I don't care who you're playing against. If you're 39 years old, plus 216 days, you're the oldest in the history of the franchise to score multiple goals in a single game. The Messiah, Ray Bork. Right. Um had a multiple goal game, yes, but he wasn't 39 years old, 216 days at the time. Parise, to my mind, has been in the right place almost all the right time. I think the hands are still there. I think some of the burst is still there. Uh, He was very, very good. Nathan McKinnon with another goal late, uh, almost sheepishly celebrating at the final goal of the night. Uh, It was a perfectly good goal. It was a a great goal, but I think he was almost (laughs) looking like I wasn't trying to rub it in, but it was too easy. I had to go ahead and score. It wasn't like it was an empty net goal where he had one guy with him and he wouldn't give it up. The defender that he had to beat and the goaltender and did so, snapped the wrister and he never gets excited about a goal. He's not one of those guys who jumps and gets excited about much of anything. Pumps his fist or anything. He raises the arm. He's always nonchalant. We, about you talk it. about players. That, he acts like he's been there yeah. before. Or players that hate to lose more he, than they like not, to win. He's not the football player who has to spike the ball and over the goalpost. No, in fact, you, the you want a comparison and not even a not that odd a comparison because you've seen uh, McKinnon. After, when you explain this to people, who maybe you haven't watched Nathan McKinnon a lot, and they go, "Wow, he's really fast." I'm like, "He's fast, but that's not his gift. His gift is acceleration." The, the fact that he can be at full speed in two strides when other people yeah. can't get to that right. speed. It's he gets to top speed more quickly. Is his most. gift. And, of course, he's got t- tremendous hands. Uh, the stick handling is is, is immaculate. Uh, uh, but in many ways, you talk about a guy that, that acts like you've been there. Right. You want, uh, next time I'm going to do know, that. You want like to describe that? Nathan McKinnon? Nathan McKinnon is hockey's Barry Sanders. That's what he yeah, is. I, I think he's going to dazzle accurate. you by going through four guys, and then he's going to score, and then he's just going to hand the yeah. ball to the ref and go back to the sideline. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I don't know if I have a Connor McDavid uh, comparison, but McDavid's a little like that, too. He scored an overtime goal to win a game the other night, and I was watching it, and he made it look easy, as he often does, um, against a goaltender having a pretty good night. And, yeah... You know, there were some smiles, and his teammates just surrounded oh, of him. Of course. But he didn't really react that excitedly. to <laughs> He just won the game. And it's like, yeah, 
that's kind of what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And, and McKinnon's like that. And to me, uh, Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon are in a class. Right now in the centers. It's it, not, I forget about centers. Um, for forwards, anyway. Uh, and I might even include defensemen because they, they listen, McDavid at, at the start of the year, and even recently, I, I think the goalie scored in overtime his first goal in 11 games the other night. Even McDavid, you know, can't keep up a goal a game pace throughout a season. Right. And actually, he hasn't scored a ton of goals this year, no. truth be told. But when you need a goal, he's the guy you turn to. And it's the same thing with McKinnon and the Avalanche. I really think among forwards, they are by themselves in a, yeah. in a class of their own. You talk about Matthews. Well, Matthews is not a setter. He, he's got people setting him up. Look at his goal total. 53. It's extraordinary. 53 and 58 how, games. How many assists? 25. Yeah. 78 no. points. I mean, that's great. I, I mean, I, I, but I've, league, I've always the said runaway the, leader in the, goals is I the eighth leading scorer in the league. Austin Matthews can't check his luggage. I don't care. His goal scoring makes up for it. But don't tell me he's the all around offensive player that McKinnon is or that McDavid is because he's not. He's not even what Kucherov is offensively. All around. And he's got a heck he's of a, a guy great goal on his wing in Mitchell Marner. Right. Who, by the way, has. 73 points of his own. Right. So, and I, right. I, I'm with He's you. I, playing with I agree. Good I think you're talking about McDavID and McKinnon. They're on another set level. Him up. No, I, I may with have all, with all the he, res- he does res- play center. Yes, yes. It's Marner that's but, but on the it, wing. But he's, but, Marner's on the wing. But Marner's, but Marner's got 50 plus playmaker. assists. Right. right. Marner is, that's, that's why I get confused. Because Marner's the playmaker. He's the winger. The center, who's supposed to be at least as much of a playmaker as a goal scorer, he scores all the goals. Nothing wrong with that because hockey is largely, at least when you're talking about forwards, it's positionless now. It more or less is. And and there's some guys who take faceoffs more than others, and they're better at winning faceoffs than others. But otherwise, Renton takes a good many of the faceoffs on that line with McKinnon anyway. And I and I like. You know, so it doesn't matter we're, if we're saying this and forward. talking about there, there's got to be people thinking, you know, the caller text line is 303-831-1340 going, uh, guys, Nikita Kucherov has 104 points. The difference is, like Sandy pointed out, Nikita Kucherov has played his way up, by the way, to an even plus minus of zero. Yeah, that's right. Look at McKinnon. McKinnon is plus 19. McDavid's plus 21. Yeah. Okay. So that, we're talking that about that's very, very and, different. And... Edmonton and Colorado are playing and winning more often. Yep. Than in fact, Tampa even Bay though, is, and I have no beef with year. Nikita Kucherov, who's a brilliant player, but I would argue that the guy that's in fourth place in the, the league in points, and that's David Pasternak, is also having a better year than Nikita right. Kucherov, despite the fact he has only eighty seven, because yeah. he's also plus twenty one. You remember the year Bob Hartley got fired in the Avalanche? That was back when they distinguish between it, it, it didn't have to shoot at them mm-hmm. so you, you could win in overtime but if you lost in overtime there's a separate category you had four categories four was a nightmare right? okay oh gosh and the bra and if the the avs were like 10 8 9 and 6 or 7 something crazy like that and it was a classic beauty is in the eyes of the beholder record now they don't have four categories anymore they have three I ask you this. What do you make of Boston's record? 35, 12, and 14. 
either you look at it negatively, well, they've lost 26 out of the 61 games they played, or you say they've only come away without any points losing in regulation 12 times. And that's what I like about what you 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 do is in points percentage. They're saying they're playing very, very poorly. See, I look at it and I just They're saying they're playing poorly. They're 3-2-5. and They've won three out of the last 10 games. They're not playing well. I... I lean toward your position, and uh, listen, they won last night against Vegas 5-4 in regulation, and I I thought that was impressive. And I cut that in half. The 14 overtime losses, 35-12 and 14, I cut that in half, and I say, okay, well, they're actually 42-19. and How does that sound? Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. (laughs) But (laughs) there's a reason that Florida's in first place, even with four more regulation losses. They have 10 Fewer overtime well, shootout and re- and losses. Regulation wins do matter, but. and regulation wins forty to thirty-five. Yeah, so Florida's in first place. But yeah, I but say Boston's having a bad year. Bo- Boston's Boston's I mean, the top three, four team, certainly a top five team. I think right now the hot team in the league is Florida. The best team in the league right now is Florida. Florida was in the Stanley Cup final last mm-hmm. year, and if I had to pick a favorite. The Stanley Cup right I here and now, I pick Florida because they have all the elements necessary to win the Cup. They're a good defensive team, too. They really are. They've only allowed, they've only allowed 145 goals. They're tough. I mean, as the yikes. Avalanche can tell you. Yikes. Uh, he did get a chance. Talked about Zach Parise, two goals, one assist. You know, I get it against the Blackhawks, but only a dozen games with his new team. Uh, Jared Bednar had a chance to talk about the 39-year-old yeah. after the game. He's been great. Um great leader obviously like when you play as long as he has it's for a reason uh his habits details work ethic the way he takes care of himself a lot like cogliano who we've had here um just great example of 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 the way we want to approach it on a daily basis very consistent in that approach and then like then it goes to what he does for us on the ice. I mean, he that line of Drewen, Johansson, Parise has had two really good games in a row. Parise's been chipping in on the offensive side. Really trusted defensive player, you know, uh, no panic in his game ever. And then he's killing penalties for us as well and, and, play, and chipping in on the power play too now. So um, he's doing a little bit of everything, which we like, those well-rounded players that can chip in in a bunch of different areas depending on how the game's going. He's bringing that to us. I, I want to be clear about this. I love the acquisition, <laughs> right? Yeah, And I, I kind of like the fact, too, that they concealed their intentions for months because they had contacted him about playing for the Avs way, way back in the fall. Right. And maybe even late summer mm-hmm. that they made him aware, hey, if you don't get picked up, we're very interested. Probably not for the entire year, but get yourself into shape. See how you feel. Uh, if you don't feel great, you stay retired. If you do. Uh, we've got a spot for you. And they they, they were talking this in late summer. They didn't know Nishushkin would miss all these games. Uh, it, it, they didn't know that uh, they, they'd have Johansson in, in spite of now playing with Parise and Druan and that line doing reasonably well. It, they, they didn't know that Johansson would be as big a disappointment as he's been. But they, they said, you have a spot with us. And he the, the comparison with Cogliano is beautiful because – if you look at the top penalty killers right now in the Avalanche lineup, I would dare say that it would be hard 
to choose among these four as the best one. But the two guys getting the most shorthanded ice time are Parise and Lekanen. That's telling there you, you a lot. I mean, it obviously and does. It, obviously, you have Cagliano and O'Connor as your second pair of forwards on a penalty kill. But 9 and 62 are really good on the penalty kill. And, of course, any penalty kill is good if you only have to kill off one or two a game. When you have to kill off six or seven, no penalty killing unit is going to look great all the time. If no. you're giving up that many power play opportunities, which on that road trip the Avalanche were, and they weren't scoring in any of their opportunities themselves on a, on a power play. Now that's flipped a little bit. Power plays come alive. Penalty kill has been better. And for the 22nd time last night, number one, in the National Hockey League, the Avalanche won a game by three or more goals. Real quickly, the Avs did, just prior to the, the time we started the show here, announced that they had acquired a, a seventh-round draft pick and the rights to forward Zakhar Bartikov from the Devils. Bartikov, 23-year-old, playing in the KHL, just a draft rights uh, acquisition and a, and a late draft pick. But what, you, what they did is they moved along Curtis McDermott. Curtis McDermott does make a million dollars. For an Avs team that is makes more than Parise makes potentially and uh, more than is, is rather uh, Duran makes, and with the trade deadline coming up in a week, that feels like a move to hopefully facilitate other moves for the Avalanche. McDermott moved to the Devils for a the draft rights to Bartikov and a seventh rounder. The Avs will be back at it tomorrow because the Predators will talk more about that later. The Denver Broncos are at an Indy where the combine continues and will continue throughout the weekend. They spoke to another quarterback prospect they get these uh, interview opportunities tell you about what that means for them next on my life sports This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Want to remind you over at Superbook, we're changing the game. Win some money this season with Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling, with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now, when you use the promo code Mile High, you'll score up to two hundred fifty dollars with their first bet bonus. And that means win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to two hundred fifty dollars with the promo code Mile High. Download the Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code Mile High. That one's easy, right? And you'll get 250 bucks courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The important part of the NFL Scouting Combine up in Indianapolis for the Denver Broncos, Sandy, is the 18 minutes that you can carve out with any of the particular interviews that you are able to get. Correct. The Broncos have added interviews with J.J. McCarthy. They've had one with Bo Nix from Michigan and Oregon, respectively. They recently added one with Michael Penix Jr., the Washington quarterback. who was And it would seem they the like them in that order. I agree. I think it's in that order. But the interesting part for Penix is, of course, he's had an injury history. And that part is kind of intriguing because... He ended up talking a little bit to uh, the media in Washington 
And he talked about the, uh, the exam, said they're good. I got it all out of the way on Thursday. He was then asked if any teams had requested an additional test. Said, no, I just did all the things they wanted to see. He's torn his ACL twice. Each of his shoulders have had injuries, including the left shoulder, which he's a left-hander. And when he was at Indiana, he missed 25 of the possible 51 games. However, the last two years in Washington, 4,641 yards, then 4,903 yards and 67 combined passing touchdowns. And it appeared at some of the workouts as if some of the footwork issues that we saw that sort of manifested in the title game appeared to be maybe a little tightened up. Now, that's tough to tell because... No one's actually out to sack you, right. which Michigan most certainly was, and that resulted in a few back foot throws. But I'm intrigued by Penix because I, I think about Sean Payton's idea of guys that have gone through adversity. Now, Penix transferred, yes. But he's gone through his own adversity with the injuries and come out the other side with extraordinary numbers. And anybody who said they saw Washington, who was a promising team, in the championship game is lying. <laughs> and they're not there without Penix and to a lesser extent, Roma Dunze, who's going to be a top and 10. And how many pick as times well. did they beat Oregon? That would be twice. That would be twice. And that's hard to do. Yeah. So the the left hander there, he's he's an interesting guy. I, I like Penix a lot. You know, the 6'3, 215, that's almost exactly the same. I think he's a good size second as, or third as, round draft choice. Yeah, as John Elway was, but not twelve. Of course, do you feel McCarthy or Knicks is worth 12? Not really, but, you know, they'll do what they do. And I, I more and more, I, I'm coming around uh, probably a little more <laughs> I can convincing. I, I, time I the gears are coming. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm coming around a little more convincing way in my own mind to the idea that, uh, they will take a quarterback one way or the other with their first pick. Yes, where is that they only pick have is, one pick right. until the third round. And if you want, Wherever it is, it'll be a quarterback. Right, because by the time you get to the third round, McCarthy, Knicks, and Penix, forget it, they're gone. Probably. So unless you really love yeah. uh, Michael Pratt, and we had Cody Rourke of Miley Sports on yesterday, and he basically said that uh, that was just a curiosity for the Senior Bowl. The Broncos yeah. actually weren't all that interested. That's it. I mean, when you look at the, the ESPN big board of quarterbacks, you have the big names you know of, you know, Caleb Williams and Jane Daniels and Drake May. They'll all be gone before 12. Then you have the next tier of McCarthy, Knicks, and Penix. And then you're really going down there. Spencer Rattler. Who, yeah. By the that, way. That's, that's the key, that there really and, is a drop-off yeah. once you get past you the, same the things first with, yeah. three and certainly the next three then there's a huge drop right. off. Then you're talking about mostly guys I mean, a guy who like look Rattler, like maybe decent backups. Mm-hmm. Rattler at one point you know, considered a, a very promising prospect, but the problem with Rattler is if you remember Josh Rosen before, and Rattler did never become as good as Josh Rosen, quite frankly, in college. But the, the before the draft, the word on Josh Rosen was his teammates didn't like him. They didn't like playing with him. Rattlers had that kind happen. Of a draft day deal, right? Rattlers Remember the movie Draft Day? Two different places. Yeah. So I mean, I don't think yeah. Rattlers an option. Yeah. And then you're getting into the Pratt, that. the Joe Milton, the Sam Harmon Notre Dame, Jordan Travis of Florida State, who will be coming off the injury. Yeah, you know, that they're backups. the The only way to get a potential starter 
in this draft is you have to pick them in probably the first two rounds, and the yep. Broncos have one pick in yeah, those first true. two rounds. Right. So, I mean, they're they're stuck there. Well, they weaseled they're their way sick. into the second round last year. Yeah, maybe uh, you could do but, it. And maybe you could do it. But uh, you'd have to give up future picks, and I don't think they want to give up future picks. I, I, I think at 12 or, uh, you know, if they're clever enough to trade down and get their guy, I, I just don't know with, if McCarthy is their guy. You trade you down, you're not going to get no, him. you better just take him. You better take We've him. We've talked and, about and, that. And with, you um, might even have to trade up a spot or two you might. to get ahead of Minnesota. Well, that would be two spots yeah, to get ahead of because Minnesota. There, there is the... And then they trade with their good friends, the Jets. Mm-hmm. Who at the moment... Right, who have the 10th pick. Don't right? need a quarterback. No, they don't. Seemingly. But yeah. it, it is, it, it's going to be tough. You know, this is just a quarterback desperate league. And when we talked to Brian Billick prior to the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl winning head coach himself, he, he basically said the same thing. He said, if you really believe in a guy, don't worry about where the mocks have right. him. Don't worry right. about if any of that. If you love the guy. Then go get him. If Just you're taking somebody him. in the first round, you got to love him. Mm-hmm. Now, and if, if you're you taking do, a guy in a don't, second don't round, don't get clever and try to round, trade down. Just go later. get your guy. No, no, if second, third round or later, you don't have to love him. If you're taking a quarterback in the first half, you have to, uh, first round, you have to love him. And if you're wrong about him, it'll set you back years it, 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 the Broncos expected by at the latest 2018 that Paxton Lynch should be their starting quarterback and because he wasn't we got Case Keenum for a year because he wasn't we got Joe Flacco for eight games because he wasn't we suffered through the ridiculous uh, notion that Drew Locke could be a decent NFL starting quarterback um we got Teddy Bridgewater and eventually Russell Wilson, who were uh, at times adequate, but if they were adequate, it was barely adequate, even at their best. And now they're in the quarterback market again. And it was because they drafted Paxton Lynch and he went bust that they didn't take Josh Allen when without the Paxton Lynch draft, I suspect they would have. Now they're they're stuck. They're painted into a corner. And there's only so many ways to acquire a quarterback if you really believe that someone's going to be a long-term starter. You won't find it in free agency. No, you won't. Not this year. You're not going to be able to trade. probably not ever. Yeah, not anymore. Probably not, not anymore. I, I mean, the Peyton Manning thing was a once-in-a-generation kind of thing. Right. And it's great you landed that way. But, I mean, that, that's, that sort of stuff doesn't happen again. Well, we'll have to find out. What the Denver Broncos do in just a bit, but we will talk about some of the other needs they might have, or if it really is all in a quarterback. And we'll talk a little about the Nuggets with one of our favorites from Fox 31, uh, sports anchor Mick Miller will join us next on Mile High Sports. 